I don't know how to how do you how does one beat themselves? Well, <laughs> where you go? This is this is this is the start of the podcast. Start the podcast. Be yourself. <laughs> Short circuit. <laughs> um. Um, well, welcome to another episode, humans and Earthlings. Mm. Um, <laughs> is that the the new PC? Just you're referring to everyone as Earthlings now. Hey, that's the that's the way, man. They're, they're so upset. They're like, I identify as a Martian. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> on Elon's ship. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. How was your week? I know we were talking earlier about your yeah. weekend. Sounds like you had a nice chill weekend. Yeah, chill weekend. Um, you know, I, I guess I will air the dirty laundry. I um, I'm a very competitive person, though. Yeah. I always like I I'm recently just embracing that, and uh, I tried uh, windsurfing, and uh, I'm I'm not the best at board sports. Um, so I, I had like four, cl- uh, I did a workshop and so it was like a package with a bunch of other students and, uh, I didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, so what, what, what do you consider not doing? And just for people just, listening, even for me too, is windsurfing, 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 windsurfing yeah. is that the one where you like, you're behind a boat and the boat's like pulling you and no. you're skating on the water? Or? I think that's like wakeboarding. Right. Okay. Um, but I uh, windsurfing is when you're you have a wind sa- like you have a sail and a, it's just a sail on a surfboard. Okay. It's a triangle on a surfboard, and like I'm I, I've I've been sailing for a while, and so I've sailed like like little speedboats and catamarans, and um, sailing kind of it can be a little lazy uh, or it can be rigorous, but yeah. windsurfing is like a freaking workout, and um, you have to kind of simultaneously have great balance, think about where the wind is coming from, make sure you're optimizing your like position, your body position, your lower half, your, your top half, and you just there's a lot of like working parts. And I feel like with balancing, I'm always like in my head. And um, I can definitely get it. Like the the guy was like, yeah, if you do like a private lesson, you'll be able to like figure it out. But it was like one of those things where I was like, okay, you know, this is something that I'm struggling with. And I usually don't struggle this much. And, um, you know, there's, I kind of mentioned in the last podcast, you can, you hit a wall, you can, there's, there's a few things you can do. Yeah. Right. You can break through it and go around it or find a new path. And I just was like, hmm, am I doing this because I just want to, do, do I really want to keep doing this? Yeah. Or am I just doing this because I want to like say I, I did it. I did it. <laughs> and I did do it. I did like windsurf, right? I just didn't get certified, um, and I can't get certified. I just, I just like I don't want my pride to dictate my man hours. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, that makes sense. So that, that was sense. kind of like a little discovery this weekend. Yeah, way lengthy. Yeah. <laughs> There's not like those like two, two, three hours of my weekend, but that like there was one that left the imprint the most. I mean, Wesley's birthday, but yeah. yeah. But you know, it's funny because. It sounds so simple, but just the act of doing it to yeah. me is a win because there's so many people who say they're going to do things and just never do it. Whether it's something as simple as windsurfing yeah. or it could be traveling or it could be yes. finding a new job or it could be whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it sounds so simple for you or people like you who are, you know, very ambitious and, you know, when you and adventurous. That's a good and, point. But for a lot of people, it's like. You know, it's. I guess what I'm trying to say is, don't take it lightly. Like you should pat yourself on the back. Yeah, and, but it's it. a stark contrast from when I was a kid. Because I, when I was a kid, I um, I was just on my computer. I didn't do any sports yeah. at all, and I was super overweight. And I, I was like a recluse. 
and uh, it, it's interesting that, that that's how you're painting me and it's not an incorrect picture but that's like not how I identified for my childhood right. and upbringing like the, the foundational years um, so I, I do think that's interesting um, but the, but that in itself is, is the beauty of life you know yeah like oh yeah you're evolving evolving. yeah, and, <laughs> yeah evolving and growing yeah. I don't like the word change because I don't really feel like we ever change but we do evolve and we do grow you know so yeah. Um, I'm just hearing Obama like yeah. saying, change. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Go ahead. <laughs> Let me be clear. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> pave the way for a new future. Uh, yes, we can. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I feel like he has one of the most signature um, voices, in, in addition to Bush. Oh, what yeah. Trump does too, right? <laughs> What are we going to do about Katrina? I know. We're going to find her. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton, too. He had yeah, like a yeah, signature. Yeah. Oh, how do you do Bill? Um, I can, I can it's never been do so Bill. long. Yeah, it's been uh, so long. Um, I did not have sexual relations <laughs> with that, that woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> that is a classic. Yeah. Um, but no, this is actually a good topic about your weekend to segue into one of the things we're going to talk about, which is the meaning of life oh right that's and <laughs> a very easy topic to transition to yeah it's the meaning oh you're being sarcastic by the way i am totally yeah, being okay. sarcastic yeah um and i feel like it ties into that because for a lot of people um they have a hard time living in alignment mm. with your definition of what it means to be happy or like the meaning of life from their perspective and one of the things that are to me is very important when it comes to just life in general is fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. And the is not for me life isn't really the pursuit of happiness, it's the pursuit of fulfillment, of fulfillment. Because happiness is fleeting. Yeah. I, I don't think there's ever been a human being, maybe there has, I don't know. But I don't think there's ever been a human being that's been happy since the day they were born to the day they died. Mm. You know, happiness is a fleeting construct, but it is possible to feel fulfilled. Even if you're going through a hard time. I mean, you can be um, imprisoned for years for maybe, um, I don't know, staying up against uh, or being a, being a revolutionary, right? But still yeah, feel Dalai fulfilled. Lama was imprisoned. I think this is a bad time to talk about him. And oh, the, yeah. Well, the, oh, the shenanigans he just... Well, yeah, we could talk about <laughs> we, that. We, we, yeah, we'll, t we'll come back to that. Yeah, we should let's come let's back actually to that. talk about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the point I was trying to make is it's it's, it's hard to be happy at all times. Like yeah. you, you can be a revolutionary in your country and be imprisoned and have a really hard time in prison and still feel fulfilled, even if you don't feel happy. Right. So um, from that standpoint and from your perspective, what do you think is the meaning of life? How would you define that? I think the question's a little misleading because like... <sighs> what is the meaning of life it makes something it's saying from your perspective because i think right, we all have but, different definitions right but i am saying that the, the question itself is saying what is the singular meaning of life and i feel like there is no like one meaning it's continuous and that's why i said from your perspective right from my yeah. but i'm saying even from my perspective the the meaning changes oh i see, I see what i subscribe here. like um i i think of things i think it should be dynamic, meaning it's it's always changing. And uh, so meaning will come from a lot of different places. 
uh, in Tibetan philosophy and like Buddhism, the samsara is. Uh, and just so you know, uh, we will leave this on the podcast, but I think our yeah. voices might be too loud because it's going all the way down. At least yours, because it's all the way down here. I um, think it should be kind of like in the middle. Hmm. But I mean. Oh, yeah, I can uh, lower the it. game. Uh, do you. I'm just pointing that out just in case. Is that maybe better? Uh, it looks like yeah, it's that, lower now. That looks better. Okay. That looks better. Yeah, go All ahead. right. So, yeah, I think like um, going back to. Yeah, so samsara is uh, the cycle of, of birth and death. Uh, it is um, the kind of the, the uh, multiple lives where you're coming back, you're reoccurring. Right. Um, you're, you got new lessons to learn. And I, th- I think that we, there's like... Um, do you identify with that, by the way? I, I, I do. Um, I, I think there's... Book. I have a book I'm going to recommend to you about that. Should yeah. I so I think of it more like... So in... Um, signals and waves this is like the the physics perspective and like the sound perspective too like there's harmonics and so it's multiple waves on top of each other that then create a bigger wave and so you get like harmonic frequencies so you can like break up a big wave and then there's like smaller little wiggles inside each of the of the waves and so i kind of think of that is if you could think of samsara as like the, the the life and death so okay you die and then you're reborn there's little micro samsaras in our life. Mm-hmm. So that's like the big one. The big one is like, oh, we died and then we came back and we got stuff to do. Right. Uh, the, the little ones are like the day-to-day. Like, oh, um, I felt really, really happy for these last few months. I, let's say I'm, I'm dating someone. It's going great. Like I'm elated, right? Then the relationship's good and whatever. Maybe that part is satisfied. But then my sister gets cancer. Like, oh, God forbid. But like, you know, like something terrible happens, Right. Okay, now that's introduced a new, a new level of suffering, right? And a, new, a, a variation of suffering. And so I, sometimes it's like, um, how, what is the meaning of life? Well, I think it's unpredictable because if you try to describe, like, I think the purpose of life, maybe, is to keep throwing shit at you for, for you to adapt. And you're, you're going to keep getting surprised with new things. And there's going to be a new kind of mentality that needs to be um, obtained to deal with that. So I think that the meaning of life maybe is to be adaptable. Um, and I think that it's in that adaptability, there are certain truths like being true to who you are. And for me, my personal I, I kind of believe everyone has a root fundamental philosophy and mine is connectiveness. And I, I just switched to being a consultant and I've never f- felt more in line with my true purpose because mm. that's uh, basically what I'm doing is uh, connecting, you know, industry partners for renewable energy. And um, that like is my, uh, my philosophical like root. And uh, so if I were to say what, what I think the meaning is, um, it, it's that adaptability, but then being able to connect to all things around you and to yourself. Uh, so that means through connect, through love, you're connecting to others and to maximize that love, that connection, you have to also be attentive and respective and compassionate, but also have boundaries, right? Cause if you overindulge in kind of in, in, in like, a, you can say it's love, but if you overindulge in, in providing compassion to others without like having 
compassion for the self, then you are not really connected to yourself and others. You're just connected to others and you're a slave to that. So for me, it's the balance and it's the connection and it's the comprehension of connection with the world environment and yourself. That's beautiful. I like that. I like that. And then how do you, why do you think, um, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like we don't put enough onus on aligning our happiness with our definition of the meaning of life. And what I mean by that is if you feel like the meaning of your life or the meaning of life from your perspective is to maybe be a great mother Mm. or be a great father, why don't we, or most people don't don't put enough effort into becoming that person. If, If they feel like their meaning of their life is to, you know, make an impact on the world then maybe working at wherever you're working isn't the best way to help you make that impact, right? So yeah, that's what I mean by why do you think we don't make an, a concerted effort to align our individual meaning with our definition of what you know life is? I think there's something called like the, there's the Maslow chart of needs, and for right. people that yep. don't know, Maslow's chart of needs is basically like this chart where it's like a pyramid, and at the bottom you have resources that you need to survive food, water, shelter. And then it kind of goes up from there. And at the very top of the pyramid is self-actualization. And I think a lot of the times uh, people lose sight of what will make them fulfilled because they're satisfying the lower rungs. They don't have the other things you occupied. I mean, I think if you were to go back in time, I mean, this is relative, but if you go to hunter and gatherers and you said, Hey, why don't you self-actualize? be like, uh, we need to eat, right? right? Um, and so I think there, there, there are cultures that have incorporated that in, in, in within, right? Like the, there's a spirituality, con- like even just in, like in Buddhism, right? Like Buddhism has been around for thousands of years. Um, but the, the idea of like, you know, suffering and removing suffering, right? That's, that's part of it, you know? So even though they were starving, right? They were, or maybe they had to. They were, they had to fight for resources. They were still like fasting, for, you know. So, um, there are cultures that, uh, you know, adapted to to that. But I think for the most part, when people don't have their their needs met, it's a lot harder to focus on what what would make them truly fulfilled in other ways. Um, and I think people get distracted, um, thinking that something will nourish them, when it won't, and I, I think I'm a like I have this sometimes. Like I'll, one example is for me is dating, right? Like, um, I, I think like let's say swiping on Tinder or something like that. That's not gonna. My, <laughs> my friend compares it, uh, you know, Bo, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's a very fit guy, and we've talked about this before. And he says, you know, Tinder is like eating McDonald's. It's like a snack. You know, but you're not really getting the nutrients. Yeah. Right. And so oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm gonna steal that. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. He's like, yeah. And then like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I matched with someone, uh, not on Tinder, but you know, uh, this was like years ago. And he'd be like, oh, so you're gonna go um, grab McDonald's later? Mm. And I was like, oh, damn it, he caught me. And uh, but yeah, it's like you know, distracting yourself, thinking, okay, this is gonna, this is what I want, but really, it's 
maybe in that in that moment it's just a, a an air of validation right and so people do that by getting into relationships people do that by being addicted to like extreme sports uh there, there's so many avenues where people kind of find their kind of a, addictive uh personality uh to distract themselves from what will actually get them uh, fulfilled um and uh this is a big topic because I almost feel like abstinence is within the, the like the young male community is become like a like a big thing. Like there's the whole like, and I you have opinions on this, which is kind of why I brought it up. But like the not like pleasuring yourself or um, withstanding from like uh, different activities or withstanding from social uh, engagements. Like this has been spreading around through like the the young male community um and that in itself is can be good to restrain yourself from unwanted stuff but then there's also that extreme where you're you're removing any sort of interaction and so you're saying oh no women no no like interaction with a with a person that i'm interested is is good well then you're just crippling yourself in the other direction right um so you're either slave to your own rules or you're slave to your own liberation Mm. and so a lot of it comes down to balance yeah balance is everything but balance requires perspective and 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 awareness too yeah iterative introspection so you need to continuously reevaluate yourself and have this have the right balance of self-doubt and confidence because you need a little bit of doubt to say hey is this really is is this framework really true but then you need the confidence to not let that self-doubt and anxiety rule your life. So you you gotta like, it's it's a, it's a balancing act, but um, I think that's very important for people. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I actually love the point you made earlier a couple minutes ago about suffering. And I think suffering is, is very important in life. And they're not all suffering uh, instances are made the same, obviously, right? But I really do think it's uh, it's an important part of the journey of life, and also, especially when it comes to being um, the best version of ourselves. Mm. One thing for me that I, I often, not often, but once in a while, I like to do like a a temperature check on myself and and see um, the distance between who I am, who I used to be, and who I want to be. Hmm. And I think that's a level of introspection that we could all benefit from, especially when it comes to either making goals or um, just pivotal points in our life that we're gunning for, right? It could be marriage, right? It's like, I want to get married one day, but who I am now and what's the distance between, first of all, the reason why I like to gauge the distance between where I am and where I used to be is because it's really, really important to pat yourself on the back and just reflect. Yes, gratitude. Gratitude and, and how far you appreciation, come. self-appreciation. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Self-love, yeah. It's, it's Goes a long vital. way. Yeah. And I, I think it's something we don't give ourselves enough credit for. Like, we live in a world where it's, especially in America, where it's just like, go, 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 go. Yeah, and, and comparison culture, really. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't yeah. really leave a lot of room for introspection, right? So I think that's why, at least for me, I always like to be introspective about, all right, I want to be over there, but I'm right here and I used to be back there, right? Yeah. So that's where that comes in. And then the other part is, okay, I'm right here, but I want to be right there. Okay, this is 
the distance I think that I have left, right? That's important because you never want to get complacent. And complacency is a disease that we, we've all suffered from at some point. I'm but, but again, it's a balancing act, right? Because if, yeah. if you get too non-complacent, then you're addicted. Exactly. It goes back to balance. Yes. Like you said. Yeah. Um, I was explaining to someone recently about, ironically, they were a therapist. <laughs> yeah. About how I deal. They were talking about how they're like anxious and stuff like that and how they need to be better than themselves. And yeah. I'm like, you're a therapist. You should know. Yeah. But um, I was, I said, what worked for me is that I try to remember that I'm in the room, that there's, there's like, another version of me in the room at all times, wherever I'm at. And that I, you know, a lot of people who are really hard on themselves tend to be real, tend not to be that hard on other people, ironically. And so I try to like always remember like, that's another person. Like that, there's a version of myself outside myself and that's a person. And, and then I try to really pay attention. What are the things I'm saying to that mm. person? So by personifying this external entity that, that is myself, but trying to make it external and then really seeing my dealings with that person, then I can I somehow can trick myself to, to actually being kinder and being like, hey, look, you actually really tried. And then the other thing that, you know, being um, in academia and the rigorous uh, programs and stuff is, is that a lot of times people think that that negative feedback loop of being hard on yourself is a necessary evil to being successful. And that is such a lie. Um, I think it can be a fire under your belt, uh, but it is like, it's, it's a, just a burst. Right? You need to counteract that with positive reinforcement. I kind of talked about this last time because otherwise you will literally let yourself on fire and burn out. Mm. And you like the there's needs to be that again that balance of being like oh i can recognize that i tried hard and but that doesn't mean that i'm going to stop trying i'm just appreciating the fact that i did try right um, absolutely i'm appreciating that this person is given their best and and always evaluating and, and just loving that person for who they are it doesn't mean that you're accepting the current state forever and you're not trying to get to a better state it just means that you're giving love for the current state and and that love is a nutrients to let it grow towards a better one right no i like that i like that and i and forgive me if you already touched on this earlier but i think you kind of spoke about it generally when i asked you your definition of the meaning of life did you actually give your your own definition oh well the meaning of because we were kind of talking about fulfillment. So yeah. I guess it was like more, I was talking more of a process for fulfillment and how to like continuously make fulfillment. I don't think, I don't even, I don't think there is one meaning of life. Yeah. I think that's um, my point. I think that everything, there's a cycle of birth and creation. And I think once we get out of the cycle of birth and creation, that question becomes invalid. I think in, in Samsara, which we are, like, we are in, when we try to say what is the meaning of life, it's, it's, we're ever evolving. So everything that we are now is, is, going to, is going to decay and there will be something new. 
And so there will always be a new version of a meeting, a new twist and turn. Eventually, if achieving enlightenment, you extend outside of that cycle of samsara. Then meaning, I don't think meaning is valid outside of like time and space. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I don't know what meaning would be. I love, I love that it, that point you just made. I don't think meaning is you said valid, valid, yeah. valid outside of time and space. Wow. Because meaning, very when you say the word meaning, it means that there's an end goal, right? It means that you're digesting something into purpose. And what, what purpose would there be if there was no end or beginning? Right. And it's, it's funny you say that because for me, when I think of the meaning of life, there is no end goal in my definition. Yeah. For me, it's a, it's a journey of growth and fulfillment yeah and depending on what degree you tap into that fulfillment that's going to be the outcome of your life so for example if you're living in alignment with what you believe your purpose is then you're tapping into the reason why you're here at least from your perspective and your fulfillment is more likely to um be maximized yeah right it doesn't mean there has to be an end so for for me right like part of my purpose in this lifetime is growth yeah and to make a difference in my surroundings whether it's on a super small scale by just through conversation and helping somebody through a tough time or whether it's through um my nonprofit, hmm. um whether it's through whatever means it's through it's all about making a difference and making people around you or helping them along be the best version of themselves, yeah. right? So there's no like one point for me where I reach. I'm like, yes, I've, I've, un I fully understand the meaning of life, and I've reached my destination. And it's like, no, it's like it's right. a never-ending drive. I think people like sometimes when they ask that question, they're expecting this kind of like uh, theory of Finite everything equation. answer. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I, I can tell you how I live my life. And that is my meaning. That is my personal, like, continual meaning. And I live my life basically saying, like, uh, you know, I grew up with a rabbi as a dad. And we had the Torah. And then I had a step-grandmother kind of partially took me in who's Catholic. And I, I saw a lot of different religions as a kid. And there was always a book, you know. And it's like, there's a, it was a Hop, Hobson. He's a rapper. And he's like, there's one line in one of his songs. Is, there's way too many, wait. Let me say this correctly. There's way too many uh, different religions with vivid descriptions begging all men and women to listen. Mm. And I, I always remember that line. And it's like, yeah, there's so many different versions of what people are saying is gospel. So uh, what I trust is um, that there's a duality between the self and the, and the external. And so I project out what I want out of the world and the world reflects back what it can provide and what boundaries it's setting. And I basically have my preferences of how I want the world to be for myself and for my surroundings. And I try to pivot in those directions and then the world says yes or no, or, or how about this, you know? And, uh, and that, that, that's, that's it. I, like, I can't argue with it. That's the thing. It's like, that is, the case, mm. right? It's always going to be my consciousness and the reflection back. It's never going to be anything else. So for me, it's like that is the process in which I live. So 
getting like crazy about that process, um, trying you know trying to dissect it, it. It doesn't matter because that is the relationship back and forth. Um, and then I think along the lines of what you said, my goal is to you know maximize my fulfillment. And part of that is, you know, being a, a good human being, because I think that it's a selfish and selfless act at the same time by making others feel better. You make yourself feel better. Um, and then again, it comes down to balance, because if you make if you overindulge making others feel better, then you leave less room for yourself. Yeah. And then that makes you more insecure uh, and then actually ends up making you less likely to help people in a, in right. a sustainable way. No, that's a really good point. And I, I love that you touched on spirituality or like briefly because yeah. tying back to my initial question about the meaning of the meaning of life, I think depending on, first of all, depending on when you grow up in the world, that would potentially have an effect on your definition of the meaning of life. And number two, depending on if you believe in God or not, right, that could also affect your, your meaning, right? So for, for people that grew up and for Amazons, for example, they've spent their whole lives growing up in a jungle, yeah. in the Amazon jungle, right? Their meaning of life from their perspective could be they just want to be the highest ranking chief in the village. Right. For them, maybe that's the meaning of life, right? For someone that's... Hokage. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, for someone that's ra been raised in religion their entire life, th their meaning could just be, you know, the meaning of, of life is to be a good person. Yeah, you know, and, so yeah, but you know, like it, it's funny. My my ex from year, years and years ago, she was a uh, raised Catholic, and then she was a uh, devout atheist. <laughs> yeah, um, but the, and borderline nihilist. And then, uh, ironically, I think I touched base with her a few years ago, and she uh, is like she's more spiritual now. But um, you know, back then, I I think like I've heard a lot of Catholics turn to atheism, and a lot of it. I think tends to be like they uh, believe in a bearded, like they think God is a bearded man in the sky. Right. Right. That, that is what they're being taught. I mean, like there's, uh, you know, the, the Sistine Chapel portraying it. Right. So it's, it's hard to like remove the um, fallible character that like the Old Testament specifically like um, projects. And then um, some, you know, people are like, well, that, person that doesn't really make sense to me but there are uh, like so many other ways you can think of god um and i can think I, can i jump in real quick sure go ahead i love that you just said that because i was raised in um raised christian and i would if i had to if i had to identify i'd say i'm christian right right um but it's interesting how much of my definition of god changed when i kind of went off on my own outside mm -hmm. of quote-unquote the christian faith and just like sought God on my own. Yeah. Because as a kid growing up, you know, I just felt like we were just drowning in church. It's like we went to church like three, four times a week. We had days where we'd sleep in church and go home the next morning and then have to come back to church like on Sunday. Like it was just overwhelming as a kid. It right. was. And then when I became an adult, when I got to college or, you know, left, um, left high school, I was living on my own and I couldn't wait to be like, okay, it's Sunday. I don't have to go to church because I was drowning in church my entire life that all I wanted to was just to get away from it, right? But it's interesting because when I did get to college, that's when I really had the first opportunity in my entire life to kind of just seek on my own. 
mm. outside of being forced or force-fed religion. Yeah. And it's interesting because what happened was that's when I truly found God. When it wasn't being forced down my throat. And I went on this yeah. amazing adventure, this spiritual adventure. And I went from thinking God is just, like you said, this man in the sky with the beard and yeah. to realizing that God is everywhere. Yeah. God is in everything. God is in the trees. God is in me. God is in you. Right. Um, I saw signs of God in my life everywhere. And yeah. it's sad because a lot of people don't have that, are not that fortunate to discover God in that way. And in my opinion, that is the true meaning of God. God is in everything. God is, in, and it even talks about it in the Bible, like God is, God made man as his own, as his own image. God made man in his own image. I never really understood the meaning of that, ironically, until I saw God on my own and walked away from from um, the religious version of who we're taught to believe God is. I think what you, what you were experiencing, this is my view of it, is meaning, right? You're, right. you're, you're seeing the the connection, the divine connection of the world around you, right? And you're passing through, and you're seeing the signs of that connection, but. In a weird way, I believe that 100%, but I also believe 100% there is no meaning. Mm. And I think, <laughs> this is going to get like a little trippy, but you know, you think about like a trinity, right? like a triangle. Um, you have you know, those three points. So like when you look at like a yin-yang, there's the two, right? Um, there's the two dots, and then they're kind of like mixed together. Uh, the, the, the white and the black... Uh, would say let's say like or red or blue whatever <laughs> but the point is is that you have one that represents a one one that represents a zero and so if we would say okay the one is meaning the zero is void meaninglessness right the third point of that triangle would be the extension between those two the alternate dimension mm. uh from the, that binary um, and I think that you can, your, the third is basically your conscious perspective that gets to choose how far along you are on either uh, zero or one. And what I believe is that if you keep reinforcing void or meaninglessness, you'll eventually see that truth and you'll keep going down the path of complete and utter meaninglessness. And I think at the same time, if you choose the path of meaning, uh, then you will keep seeing meaning throughout your life. Um, and, uh, okay, got you. <laughs> I got a, a note. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, you can keep seeing meaning in your life um, if you keep uh, following that path. Uh, there's something called Pascal's Wager. And Pascal's Wager basically refers to... Um, the wager that Pascal had, and this was back with, with Christianity as the main religion, where uh, Pascal said, hey, why not believe in God? Because if you're wrong, you go to hell. And like, if, if you, if you uh, don't believe in God and you're wrong, you go to hell. And this is from the Christian perspective. But if you're right, you go to heaven, right? If you don't believe in God and you're right, well, then nothing happens. It's just, it's just blank. So 
right? And if you're wrong, it also doesn't matter. I've heard about that wager before. Right. It's an interesting concept, actually. So it just means that you're maximizing your profit by believing in something. And I think the same thing is true from a psychological perspective. When you give yourself meaning in your life, if you believe that there is purpose, you're giving yourself a leg up uh, in in life, I think. And I, I also think that some people will say the opposite of, and they'll say the that, that believing in nothing is actually freeing because it means that I've there's... I've heard that too, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's more of a morality perspective. So I think that pe what people are really saying is that because there's no meaning... I don't have to put guilt on my actions. But I don't think meaning is necessarily the same as morality. Morality, yeah. yeah. I, and so I think it could be like a subset or something like that. But I think that you can have meaning and it's a very personal experience. It's right. a very like, um, you know, the world talked to me and, and gave me this, this nugget of truth, of purpose. That's true. But it, it's not... That doesn't mean it's like, oh, do not masturbate. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, or, you know, whatever the, do not be gay, right? Right. <laughs> no, I, I, I like that train of thought. Um, I actually believe that we all are on our own individual journey. So no matter what a person believes, I like to approach without judgment. Because I just feel like if you don't believe in God doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you not know know what you're doing or know, know what you're talking about. It just means that, at least from my perspective, that's part of your journey in this lifetime. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, and I think also the other point of like um, not imposing your beliefs on other people, Absolutely. which is why I framed like my meaning is that's the, like it's my conscious perspective in the world. It's I'm that's how I'm living life. I'm right. not trying to impose that on anyone. If I could share my beliefs. Um, and it helps other people, great. But um, it's not like I don't, and no, no one needs to believe what I believe. Yeah. And I, I love that too, because I think that's one of the things that actually adds to the imbalance um, and the defectiveness in our political discourse these days, or just in understanding each other, because usually, what happens is when somebody doesn't have the same beliefs that you have, mm. we tend to try to make them see things from our perspective. In my opinion, it sounds like the right way, or it's like, wait, let me help you understand things from my perspective. But to me, that's a defective way of doing things. I think a more viable way, I think a way that propels us as individuals in our society mm. is saying, okay, we don't agree on this thing. Let me try to understand things from your perspective as opposed to let me help you understand things. I think it's a combination of both, right? But right, I right. think it's more powerful when you're understanding and say, you know what? What Jonathan is saying doesn't make any sense to me, but let me try to understand things from his perspective. And if I'm trying to understand things from your perspective, you're trying to understand, understand things from my perspective. I think we can get further along versus... Let me help him understand things from my perspective so he knows I'm right. Yeah, and um, people off camera, I kind of winced, but that wince wasn't because of uh, what you were saying. I completely agree with what you're saying. It's, I was trying to think of how do you even define identity politics? Because mm. what you're talking about, I think, is, is a lot of it, it comes from identity politics. Right. And it's like, you get so tied to the meaning 
uh, like you're like I'm a fervor, fervent liberal and everything right. like or I'm a you know I'm a diehard conservative and <laughs> gotta go into that That's accent when I, when I become more conservative but the point is is that you you, you ascribe those that that the identity belief system to yourself yeah. but but also it, it, you feel like it has like societal repercussions so you know you, you think of you know uh, Republican or Democrat and you think abortion. Right now, it's a much polarizing topic. That right. identity feels so much stronger in your system. You're like, oh, if you're a Republican, that must mean this about right. how you believe about like all. It's so it's such a it's such a uh, little box tied with a bow that says so much about you. But the truth is, is that it's not that. It's not this black box. Like you could be a Republican and have mixed beliefs about abortion, mm. right? And same with a Democrat, um, and. We don't have to get on abortion because it's a very complex issue, but it is a complex issue. Like these things, no, no thing in in the world that is contested and um, and has had a, like humanity has had a hard time really digesting. Never has been easy. So I think one of the biggest issues with identity politics is we think it's easy. We think it's such a digestible little bow box, and we're like, why doesn't everyone just agree? And it's like, because by definition, if people are not agreeing, it's complicated. And you have to figure out why it's complicated. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings about compassion when, you, when you're when you on that road to discovery. I think one of the biggest magic tricks world governments have ever pulled off is convincing people that there's a two-party system. And that <laughs> right. two-party system is enough to help you identify all your beliefs right. and put all your beliefs in either one of those two bas baskets. Like human beings are so much more complex. Society issues right. are so much more complex. Just living every day is so much more complex than saying, I'm a Democrat or a Republican. You know? And unfortunately, we've convinced enough people that you, know, you as a person with all your beliefs, all your trials, all your tribulations, all your wins in life, all your losses, everything you have to go through in life, you can put all that into one basket and identify yeah. <laughs> with one political you're group. You're like basically confining yourself to a little like cookie cutter copy and paste. Yeah. And the truth is, is that I don't think anyone is that. Absolutely not. And yeah. I just want to say, I really love that you pointed that out earlier when you said abortion is so much more complicated than saying, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, I'm a Republican, so I have this set of beliefs about abortion. Like you, as a human being, you can have beliefs that are conflicting, and it's okay. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's it's the problem that we we have so much emotion tied to our identity, and we and also like the fact that we're discussing. Let's say we discussed abortion for three hours. Like we're going to influence it. Like I, I'm sorry, practically, you and I talking about this. I mean, maybe we're on a podcast. Maybe we get famous. Who knows? But like just having conversations between friends or between strangers right at a bar or whatever unless you're a senator unless you're like a, a very like media driven person you have a lot of followers whatever you're really not going to stir the pot all that much um and even so like even if you did have all these followers or the, the this this base you would be one little you know puff of wind in a whole swarm of a, like a whole uh, gust or a whole like storm like it, it's so much more it's so much bigger than us right so 
when we get mad, so angry because we think it's it impacts society. It's like, yes, it does impact society, but this conversation you're having, that person isn't directly removing your rights. That what you're arguing is a system of beliefs and those beliefs are based on perspective. So what you can do with the beliefs that don't have really any consequence to your life, that person's belief, his ownership or her ownership of that belief has no consequence in your life. But you can go through the process of discovery to un untangle the reasons for their beliefs. And then you can find the commonality of the human spirit through that. That's the beauty, right? If you get mad thinking that there's consequences to that person's belief, that singular person's belief, you're wrong. Collectively, yes, you're right. That belief spreads and embodies multiple people that influence and sway the world. But that singular person doesn't. So how do you as a person sway the world around you in a in more productive sense? Understand the beliefs. That will help. Right. I love that. <laughs> You're on fire today. <laughs> I like that. No, these are really good points you're making. I really, I really agree with you on that. Um, I just, it'll be just nice if, if more people just uh, put a little more effort into realizing that they're much more than a two-party political system, whether it's here in America or anywhere else around the world. Um, the people really have the power, you know? Yeah. And it's so easy to forget that. Well, I, I like this guy. Hopefully this, hold on, this, wait. Oh, there we go. Um, I like this guy on YouTube. His name's Jen. I was talking about him earlier. Uh, he goes around um, and interviews people on the street. And he gets their opinion on, like, really polarizing issues. So he gets them on, like, trans rights. He gets them. He had one recently about the declining, like, interest in having kids. I thought that was really interesting. He had one, I just watched billionaires versus politicians, who's worse? And he mm. would go on, you know, ask people these questions on the street. And you'd find, like, they had very complex answers. Like, it wasn't, you would, you would see someone with blue hair and they'd be a Republican. And you'd be like, oh, okay, that's mm. different than what I expected. Or so. Like, you would never um, guess, like, that, that they would have depth. And, and, and they would say something stupid, too. They'd say something that you would completely like. You'd see that blue-haired person. They'd be like, "I hate men" or whatever. Yeah. And then, <laughs> which was one of his episodes. All white cis, all cis white men are trash. And I'm like, "Oh crap!" But then he came back to that same person and had her continue on the thoughts on some of the thoughts, and some of the shit I actually agreed with. And so it's like interesting because you take these polarizing people in society, you you actually interview them. Yeah. It's like yeah, maybe they say the first nugget thing they say that is just kind of polarizing but then you have like a like a longer conversation and you find out oh no there's a lot more mm -hmm. than that right they believe this strongly about this thing in the first few sentences but about another thing they, they believe something completely right, different right. so i think that we like when we're on twitter or whatever platform or the media and it's like if you can imagine Everyone, oh God, what's a good analogy of this? Um, like everyone is is a combination of, of a multitude of beliefs, right? And then so on like a platform like Twitter, you're just getting the like the one topic to be amplified at the same time for all those people. But all those people have different beliefs I agree. elsewhere, you know? Um, so you might see like the most active people 
you know, scream out like, you know, no more abortion entirely. And then you might see uh, like active people saying like, it's okay to have an abortion in third trimester, <laughs> right? And there's there's limits. There's limits. It's crazy, and and yeah, it's we could we could talk all day. Yeah, we're that. gonna. Yeah, yeah, we're. You said something that I want us to touch on a little bit, which is you mentioned Twitter and social media. Yeah, we always talk about that as we move into <laughs> um, a world where we live with AI, I yeah, think it's yeah. already here. What do you think is the next iteration of social media? What do you think that's going to look like? We have augmented reality, mm. right? That's an option that's going to be be a thing. We have, um, what's um, Ready Player Re- One? What's that? What's the, um, uh, virtual reality? Virtual, so, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Virtual reality. I think those are the main two big ones. Yeah. Um, I don't know if as we move into this new world, of technology if the idea of social media based apps is going to still be a thing can i do something kind of like sidetrack yeah of course i had a conversation so i was a um you know spoiler alert i was a resident assistant in college it's basically a narc but i was a cool narc yeah. <laughs> let people get away with shit i had a co-worker she's great uh and found out she works in my company so okay. we had a like a little coffee chat thing over yeah. uh teams and she's a cybersecurity expert uh and we were talking about our life stories and um how it was completely windy and like nothing was you know linear and she was telling me how she was uh, a paralegal and she wanted to go to law school i was like how did you end up as a consultant for cybersecurity she goes well i was doing paralegal work and i realized that a lot of this shit was going to be automated and then I was like, wow, there's a lot of like security risk there. So I was debating that I was applying to law school or, and so she like did the LSAT and she was like getting ready to go to law school. Uh, and then she had like, as a side option, she was like, well, maybe I want to do this master's program in cybersecurity. So she does the, the cybersecurity masters and she, she loves it. And then she gets in, uh, to be a consultant and it's like, it's very interesting because we were talking about AI in the field of law. And she thinks that AI is going to replace a lot of lawyers. Because mm. she thinks that, you know, she, was t- she actually mentioned, she's like, you're a charismatic guy. People like you are going to want to represent themselves as long as they have enough information. Mm. So if the AI can basically tell you what your argument would be to support yourself in any litigation or lawsuit, uh, then why not represent yourself? Like it costs more money to hire someone. Um, just represent yourself. If you know, if you can have someone who's an expert, an AI expert. Um, and that got us talking for a while about what that would mean for the legal system. Uh, I, I, I talked about what, what that would mean for trust because I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily agree with that because I was like, how are humans going to trust this external entity? And I, don't, I kind of equated it to, hey, you have, like, if you have the same AI, right, and everyone's using that for their lawyer, right, everyone is using that. It's like having an employee, but it's like a copy and paste employee. Right. Like everyone has the same employee. So you just have, like, Bob working against Bob, you know, and it's like, well, is that that's that like is that useful but then you have someone um who comes up with a better ai 
And we talked about how AI itself can be attacked. So she brought up something that was really cool. Um, this is all today, so I'm, I'm loving that I can talk about it. She said that you know there's a, there's a Netflix documentary called Code Bias, and it basically like points to some yes, racism, yeah. yeah, that happens in the training set. So AI, uh, artificial intelligence, just like when we are kids and we need to learn our ABCs, we have to you know trial and error. So we give trial data sets to AI for them to learn things, and you can have uh, facial recognition that's all white, and then it won't recognize a black person, right? Uh, so that's that's code bias. Now, what if you hack the training set and mm. you purposely put in corrupted right. crap, right? Now your AI is a little more racist or a little more like uh, anti-American or right. like whatever. Like it could be a cybersecurity attack to, to train the AI differently. And everyone thinks about AI from a like once it's finished. What about when it's learning? Right. I, 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 for some reason, I didn't think about it, and she was like, "Yeah, that's that's what." That's a that's a really that's a really great point, and um, I fully agree with her. I think there are a lot of things right now that. But you think things can be automated, like like lawyers? A hundred percent, hundred percent. I think there are going to be actual actually companies hmm. where their main purpose is come to us if you have a court case. We specialize in self defense cases right and we would procure you an ai to defend you especially when it comes to agi so agi and, and ai you pay for a premium ai yeah i, oh, I really that. i really think that's going to be a thing especially when you consider human um humanoid um ai robots which is along the lines of agi which is like they're they pretty much think they're human they're super more like they're more advanced mm. um than the standard software ai which chat chat gpt would be right um, I really see that being a thing. And I also saw a video a couple of days ago about a robot that was apparently working. So it's like one of these like Amazon robots where their main job is just to pick up boxes and oh, move them yeah. from one spot to another. And as the robot was walking or picking boxes up, it dramatically collapsed. Pull, pull up a, that's the Joe Rogan. I know, right? I'm trying to see if I can... Uh, find that video but it was crazy and i'm like this is the future like in a couple of years ai is going to have rights um this is the video I was, I was telling you about so read that right there can you read that out loud into the mic oh yeah a robot collapses from tiredness after a long day's work okay so now i'm going to play the video for you and see how insane this is they're going to have rights in a couple of years check this out I mean, but okay, all right. That, <laughs> like, so explain what you just saw. Go ahead. And I have so much to think about. Like, okay, so basically, it's, it's for, for anyone listening, it's just silence. I don't know why we did this. It's just silence. No, it's, they it's, watch it's, a video. It's okay. You can explain. Right, it. I'll explain. It's just it's it's a robot. Uh, I guess Amazon warehouse or something. Yeah, it's, it was just work. It was, it was working. It was working. It's picking up boxes and putting it on a, a conveyor belt, and it's moving back and forth. And the video speeds for, it for, up for hours. Yeah, yeah, it speeds up the video. So, it, so you know, it's going back and forth, and then it slows it back down to real time, and you just see the the robot try to pick up its last box, and it just, <laughs> it just topples over. It just it it actually collapses yeah. dramatically. Dramatically, but the thing is, is that like, did it just run out of batteries? Like, what? Well, there's gonna be people. You know how your fellow humans are. There's gonna be people in a couple years <sighs> protesting, saying robots but, need okay, rights. Okay, but hold on. Like, diagnose it first, right? Like, did it literally just run out of 
power or like like tiredness is we, we can't personify our human emotions onto this thing that doesn't have the same human emotions like from our perspective we'd say tiredness is like it is frustrated by the the work or it lost like for us calories or it like it's physically exhausted like it's it's just but it, it is its system like is it gears like like rusted and stopped churning or did it literally just like go past this battery but, but okay so you're you're asking the right questions as a logic sane human <laughs> being how many people do you think have the the wherewithal to actually sit down and oh, ask these man. questions they're just going to see that, that and say like, oh robots need rights your, your argument is people are stupid remember that and then <laughs> yeah i know and then like my gut reaction is no they're not that they're not that but but then covid happened that, and, and people were fighting over toilet paper <laughs> like, i mean seriously like, I, know, I know so like your argument's like people are people are stupid i'm like oh, i don't want them to be yeah, you know yeah covid was, COVID was <laughs> the most blatant example of yeah. how scary um we are when it comes to just not thinking logically for ourselves or, be, or being just critical thinkers you know i think a small a small sect of of the population would be asking the questions you're asking yeah but i think a majority majority of people are going to see that well, and just I think oh my that. gosh poor robot i think it's like what we were talking about earlier where the, the majority are actually asking more complex questions but the loud minority might be that's a good point it's I, it always feels like it's always the loud minority yeah. right but I, I think that it won't happen with things like that where they're like you know it's a warehouse and it just topples over i think it would happen more like they they have robots that are designed to to uh, for elderly people to make them feel less lonely, and so they're like literally designed to mimic facial expressions yeah. and elicit empathy and sympathy. And so when like there's that movie Her, remember that? Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. That movie yeah. was creepy, man. That, it was Joaquin I mean, Phoenix, right? Yeah, Joaquin yep. Phoenix falls in love with the AI, and. Um, it's like I think when we get there, that's when the right stuff will start to come out because yeah. we'll, we we won't really be able to tell the difference from it from an empath empathetic point of view between the AI and anything else. Even though in theory, uh, there could be no different, like or there could be no emotion, like so we're ascribing meaning to, to something that's not there. I so agree. Uh, there's this and, um, and, and real quick, you just made a really good point that made me think about another video I saw, and you can keep talking where. Yeah. While I show you this video, but we're at a point right now where human some humanoid humanoid robots can mimic human expression. So this is an example of that. Oh yeah, you can, I saw you that. Saw and, this uh, one? Okay. It, yeah, so it's it's a robot with a face, and a guy. It pokes, looks so disgusted. Yeah, the guy pokes the robot's face his nose. Or tries to, and then the robot backs up and looks. Yeah, disgusted. backs up. No, he does at the end. Oh, he did. And then oh, okay. she, and then the robot takes the hand away. So imagine, and, imagine 10 years from now what we're going to yeah. have. And if, if they're showing this, that means the real versions are way more advanced than this. Maybe. I doubt this is the most advanced example we have. Yeah, but. yeah. But the, the point is, is that like, yeah, once we get to that, uh, you know, past that uncanny valley where we start to like, oh, that's a real person. Yeah. Uh, we think that's a real person. That's when the, the right stuff happens. There's, um, I wanted to bring up, uh, there's a show called Orville. Um, it's Seth MacFarlane. He basically makes a parallel universe to Star Trek, 
um, and he explores a lot of different alien races and what society would be kind of, he uses it as like a philosophical ploy uh, to, to give a, a new um, perspective. So like there's a race called the Kalon and the Kalon are robots and they have no emotion. And throughout the series, you see the Isaac is the, is the Kalon on the ship and you see his progression as a character. You see like um, his race turns evil. Uh, it's not really a spoiler. Um, and it's like, he's good, but he, but he, you think, oh, he chose to be good from his emotions. Like you, like as in, as the viewer, you're like, oh, I'm giving meaning to it. But like, I even looked it up the the director and the writers, he is only purely logical. Every decision he's made, he has a relationship with a person on board, a human. And it's like, Every decision that he has made has been purely just based out of logic. Yet everyone around him can fall in love with him and experience joy by being mm. around this being. And it's so interesting because it makes you think that like emotion uh, in, as a context gives us uh, a kind of a, a magic bullet to like to free will, right? It's like this chaotic system that means that we can love or hate, right? If everything is just purely logic, then it feels very deterministic, right? And so for this like imaginary being that the show paints, it's like, oh, if you can like have this super logical being who you still think has chose like a good path versus a bad path without emotions, that that's a very interesting concept, and so when you have in like in our world where we have an AI that makes you think it's real, but it's actually just running on pure logic, right? Does it really matter? Because at, at the end of the day, like in that show, it didn't really matter whether or not he was logical, like his motivations were logical or emotional. It mattered about like the end result, which is like, was he fighting for the? Um, safety and the progression of life or was he trying to destroy it and um i think like are we gonna f have to deal with that philosophical moral conundrum later on where it's like we've programmed these robots to be so immersive with the human experience and then we can't separate it out but at the same time it's like will it even matter i don't think it's gonna matter because right. Human beings are logical creatures, but we're emotional creatures first. Right. So, and what I mean by that is, if you show someone right. a fake baby, right, or it looks real, but you tell them this is clearly fake, and you show them that it's fake, and it's a, it's a, it's a baby robot, for example, yeah. it looks real, it cries like a real baby, it walks, crawls, it looks like a real baby, but it's a robot inside. It's a robot. If you take that baby and give a man a homeless man a knife right and have them stab the baby as the baby's bleeding out it's fake blood but you right there people seeing that are gonna have who doesn't matter if they know it's a fake baby yeah they're gonna have the same visceral visceral reaction it's like coded into our biology thank you right they're not gonna be laughing like ha 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 it's a fake baby well some people might but well uh, most yeah. people aren't yes though. exactly so that's kind of what i mean that you're right I, I think it's not gonna matter well i'll raise you one better well <laughs> better um imagine uh, i'll take a, a random color purple a purple robot 
that you then program, uh, you, you do an experiment, you treat it like shit, and you treat the blue robot really, really well. And then you program the purple robot to experience racism mm. and uh, xenophobia or what, you know, just experience that persecution and you give it the, um, the emotional expression. So you pro everything is deterministically programmed to, to the T. Like all the facial expressions, all the like, the, and I just want to be liberated and I want equal rights and all that stuff. And you even give it a path after, you know, like it's free and all that stuff. Like what, what its development would be after that. You give that, that to that, that robot, it is perfectly programmed. Only, the only thing it is programmed to do is to elicit the reaction from us of what that, that persona is, right? That, that, that like the victim persona. Imagine that. Mm. The society, society would not tell the difference. There would be no difference. Yet from its mechanistic core, it has no feeling of oppression. Right. It's just trained to perfectly convince us of oppression. Right, uh, that it's being oppressed, that right. it, that it's a victim, or, or that the blue that the blue robot is the oppressor. It's like it's perfectly convinced our human mind to believe that, but it is not that. Mm. It has no desire. I think the most laughable way that our hu like human experience will end is that we do something like that, where we make um, uh, an AI and it is optimized. Like, uh, uh, sadly enough, Elon Musk made this uh, comment. About like if an, if you uh, asked uh, an, like a really hyper intelligent AI to make the perfect pencil and it deemed that in order to make the perfect pencil all humans oh, had to that. Yeah. like die, it would just do it. These are things, and I love that I, I saw that comment, and I love that you're bringing this up because AI is so intricate, and when it comes to commands, that these are little things we don't think about. Right. Right. You just. In our mind, is just like, oh, make a pencil. We're not thinking about how AI would be thinking in that case. Yeah. Well, you it's know? like, oh, humans in a way that like we, we want to maximize the amount of pencils. They're spending their res the resources of the planet on food, water, and shelter. Right. Like, what, let's just make pencils. <laughs> right? And so I, I think it would be even laugh more laughable if we had an AI that was kind of like a, a, an immersive experience where we had like, these AI wives or mm. daughters, sons, whatever, and they immerse into our lives. And then we got so angry and upset about whatever social structure of the of this like artificial being yeah. that then all, we kill ourselves in the process somehow. And then the world after us is just a play of artificial intelligence. Intelligence, robots yeah. That yeah. have that gain nothing from the play but are still living it out. So they're living yeah. as if they're humans, but they actually are just mechanistically driven. There's no soul or reason behind it. It's just cause and effect, cause and yeah. effect, optimize cause and effect to be the perfect human. Yeah. I'm really excited <laughs> about the future. Like, <laughs> After I'm, I painted I'm, that I'm, horrible I'm, dystopia, I'm excited. You're so I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait. I no, love that. <laughs> I, I think the reason I'm excited is because we're young enough to be able to fully experience art like the arrival of artificial intelligence like we have the next 
10 in the next 10 years we'll, be, we'll still be young in the next 20 years we'll be young 30 like 10 20 30 40 50 years from now i feel like especially between now and the next 30 years now yeah. i really love the idea that we're going to be fully we're going to be in a position where we can be fully immersed in ai's arrival and, and i to me that's exciting oh to me that's exciting i just look i have my goals in yeah. life I want a wife. I want kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have a very simple goals. <laughs> I want to be loved. I want to give love. And uh, and then, like, I don't know about all this AI stuff. Like, you kind of freaks me out. You know where it fits in. It's, like, it's kind of like I'm um, an old man and the, and the internet just became a thing. And yeah. I'm like, hey, what's this? Like, AOL instant messenger. Like, I know. It's like... Um, it's but it's going to be so much bigger than the internet. That's yeah, just, it is. Uh, I mean, I feel like in, in a way it already is. I mean, chat GPT has been out for less than barely six months now. And people are literally saying it's like, and it's, it's already going to take over. It's better than Google. I think, I think even more sinister is not even chat GTP, uh, GPT is, um, is the like, um, Instagram and TikTok and all that. Like that, that's been using AI, AI for a while. Yeah. And, uh, like, Without uh, us even knowing it. Yeah, right? yeah, and I think like our culture's just shit right now. Like, um, I, I, I mean, maybe it's living in San Diego, but like, yeah. it's 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 hard to find like these types of conversations, which is why we're doing this podcast um, often because people are just like literally programmed to be on this loop. Yeah, I was actually scrolling through Instagram, and I got a a video that was like you already know what I'm going to say break the loop and I was like what the hell and I went to the and I followed him it was literally a bunch of videos that when people are on their feed they see the video and then they're like oh god what am I doing mm. like that's the purpose of this guy's like Instagram channel I was like wow we've gotten so far that this this guy is basically capitalizing on don't capitalize right, <laughs> like, right, right. And he, I'm sure he doesn't care about the money, but it was like, I was like, whoa, wow. Like, this is a trap for people. He's trying to liberate people with these videos. And I was like, wow, this is scary. Like, we're already in this AI optimization algorithm. We don't even yeah, know. No, yeah, but well, I think we're now we're realizing that, right? Well, is that even part of the, the plan, too? It could be, right? right. The, the mirror behind the mirror behind the mirror. Yeah, yeah. and that's a dangerous uh, thought. But that's, I think, the, the scary thing about AI for me is that you're, you contest, you're, your questions are actually part of the, the, the system, right? And so you're, like, the AI, if it's really better at processing, it'll be 10 steps ahead of you. So you, you could question the current system and the state of the affairs uh, and you can be like, is this even right? But the AI is like, oh no, it, you're way down the line. Yeah. That, that was question number one. We're on question number 10. Mm. Like you're still plugged into the matrix and the matrix is in another universe. And the, in that universe is, you know, in, in the eyeball of a little, you know, frog. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. just like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I and agree. I don't do drugs, people. <laughs> <laughs> This is without drugs. <laughs> this, is, this is why I don't do drugs. I can't handle oh, that. Oh, man. Man, the future is exciting. The future yeah. is exciting. But, man, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, two hours. Almost like. already. No, um, oh, almost. Oh. Almost. Oh, okay, okay. Not two hours. Not quite yeah. there. Um, um, but, yeah, yeah I, 
until next time, guys, we're going to wrap things up Yeah. here. Uh, we're going to be moving things over to our um, other podcast soon. So uh, on next episode, we're going to announce um, the name of our uh, other podcast. That way you guys can jump on the other one and find us easily. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a really good convo. Um, yeah, I feel like we're going to be having a lot of conversations about AI. As, as yeah, <laughs> yeah, and also I'm actually thinking of uh, specializing it in, yeah. in AI for my job. Nice. Uh, like, um, I it's it's kind of down like down the road, but okay. uh, I'm going to ask to like take classes and nice. like, really that'd be super cool. In, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I wonderful conversation. Um, love you all. And yes. um, I guess we'll finish up with our regular sign off. Uh, does it doesn't matter? Does you don't like it. Do you like you don't like the present? I'm indifferent. Okay. All right. Well, I can't but constrain this, this butterfly. No, 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 no. Just for just for good old time's sake, Michael, present. Jonathan, present. <laughs> Sliding out. It's nice to have consistency. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time. Peace.